times all round, but we'll stick to the rugby in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Wales Under-20s finished their Six Nations campaign with defeat to Scotland and an uncertain future in terms of the Junior World Championships this summer. There'll be good lessons in there leading us towards the Junior World Cup, but obviously that'll be under review and where that sits under the current circumstances. A chance to hear more about the Wales women's programme for 15s and 7s from 7s coach Holly Phillips. I've always been a huge advocate and supporter of the fact that the two programmes, the two games are not mutually exclusive. Because uh, fundamentally you play on the same size pitch with the same rules. Well, Wales women's prop Keris Hale is finding plenty of benefits to being an international. It's a bit more fuss about Wales rugby in work and stuff and I feel like I'm having better impact on the pupils because they're seeing me as somebody who represents the country. So most of the action called off last weekend and all the action called off for the foreseeable future because of things far more important than sport. An uncertain time we'll deal with in future weeks on the Welsh Rugby Union podcast, hearing at length from the people at the heart of some of those decisions, as well as finding out more about the wider operation of the game in Wales. But for this last week, when we have action to review, let's stick to the rugby. Last weekend, Wales under-20s finished their campaign, which had promised much with wins against France and England. Graham Gillespie was behind closed doors at the Stadium Zipworld, where he spoke to centre Bradley Roderick, captain Jack Morgan and first coach Gareth Williams after the defeat to Scotland under-20s. Gareth, that's a very disappointing way to finish the campaign. Yeah, very. You know, the scoreline, you can't ignore that. I felt we got back into it at the start of the second half. Scotland were excellent in the first half, really got a jump on us. Their physicality was um, much higher than ours and, you know, they deserved their 17-point lead, to be fair. I thought we came back into it in the second half. And at 31-17, you know, it was a two-score game. And I just think we lost our composure there, you know. We needed to just keep pressure. We've done it really well uh, in the last two games, about exerting pressure on the opposition. It's a theme we've been, you know, we spend a lot on following the defeats to Ireland and Italy. And we didn't do that when we got 31-17 at that point, about an hour into the game. And... That just allowed Scotland then to accelerate the score and it, it just accelerated uh, in a way which uh, we're really disappointed with. Because it seemed every time you were, like you say, getting a foothold back into the game, an error would pop up and they'd go down and score down the other end. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, there's good lessons in there for these young players. Stick to the path of the last 11 minutes of the first half. We played the way we wanted to in the areas we wanted to. And that showed then early in the second half as well when we started coming back into it. But then... You know, key moments then, which we just couldn't get close enough to Scotland and they just accelerated away with it then, uh, off our errors and off some slack play. Yeah, in the first half, the line-out was quite jittery as well, wasn't it? Yeah, some overthrows there. We had a couple against England, which nobody talks about because we, we won the game, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, that was, a couple went, went astray there. But really, across all facets of the game, you know, there were errors which... Um, you know, we wouldn't be happy about and, and disappointed and you know reasons why Scotland then accelerated that score. The All Blacks always say that you lose more in defeat than you do in a victory, so do you think that'll be the case for your boys? There'll be good lessons in there leading mm. us towards the Junior World Cup, but obviously that'll be under review and where that sits under the current circumstances mm. and the unique situation that we find ourselves in um, the moment. Uh, if the Junior World Cup goes ahead, we'll, we'll wait and see and you know, see what we can take from that. So overall, how do you look back uh, on the Six Nations campaign? Uh, but, I can only talk with the disappointment on the on the back end of that game. 
like I say, the way we allowed Scotland to accelerate the score at the end uh, was really disappointing because I felt on the hour, you know, we could have turned it into an arm wrestle and, uh, you know, there were elements. We went off script and allowed them to accelerate the score rather than us keeping that arm wrestle, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really reflective uh, at the moment. I'm probably in a frame of mind which just reflects on, uh, on that game. Jack, that's a disappointing way for the boys to finish the campaign. Yeah, it was uh, really disappointing. It's not what we were after at the uh, end of the campaign, but um, now we've made a couple of mistakes and now the boys, uh, boys are pretty good. Yeah. What is it with the Scotland side? For two years in a row now, they've uh, beaten the Welsh side when you had high hopes of beating them. Yeah, definitely comes to show. You know, they, they play well the, the whole campaign so far. You know, they've, they've proven a tough, tough team to beat. I'm not fairness. They, they come out today, and, and I think it's fair to say they're the best team definitely won. And, uh, no mugs, you were real good at it, so yeah. Now what's the mindset when you come into a second half when you're already uh, heavily behind on the scoreboard? Yeah, well, we're in a half time, you know, we felt that uh, at stages that we, we had a lot of positives in that first half, just that we made a couple of mistakes and uh, gave away a couple of silly penalties that give them opportunity to come into our half and uh, they capitalise every time they come in and uh, I got on the scoreboard and the message was to try and cut out the discipline of mistakes in the second half. I think we didn't have the start, but then mistakes I slipped in after yeah. it seemed that every time you got back into the game you would then cough up the ball or something and, they'd, and it was one of those nights for Scotland the bounce of the ball went their way and so it must have been frustrating yeah definitely I think it's, it is frustrating I think there's a lot of learn from that game and um, as long as we just got to keep the structure and stick to the game plan and uh, play in the right, right areas and uh, I think at times we didn't do that and which gave them when they had turn of the ball or they had opportunities to give, give them the chances so overall how do you look back on the Six Nations campaign I think we look back as a positive. Obviously, it was a disappointing start, but I think we, we grew as a, as a team and as a squad and as a as a group of boys by the end. Beating beating France and England, I think that, that's outstanding and gave us a lot of confidence. And obviously, the boys are going to be gutted today, but I think it's a it's a lot of learning. I think the lesson the boys and at this stage is solid is his uh, lessons and uh, moving on and improving as a group and uh, developing as players and learning lessons. Was it quite surreal playing in front of what was an empty stadium? Yeah, yeah, it's quite quite uh, quite surreal, but. Um, it was the same for both sides, you know, with the atmosphere, but for the crowd I was here, with the friends and family, it was great great to see them there. And, uh, and uh, they, they were brilliant cheering us on and they've been brilliant support throughout the whole campaign. So, uh, now they've driven us on and it was good to have them there. Bradley, I suppose that's not the way that you would have wanted the season to finish. Yeah, obviously, uh, coming out like that, we think the best we played and uh, we all know that as a side and the coaching staff. But um, that doesn't determine who we are. Like, we're looking back at the last two games we played, we have come out and put it really good performances in so it's just uh, bouncing back from this defeat and uh, seeing where we can go from now of course I know we uh, lost but uh, you scored a nice try right in the corner there yeah yeah it's uh, just uh, we kept pressure on them and like in aspects of the game we did show that we can put points on them but um, unfortunately it wasn't enough to uh, get in front of them and uh, they capitalised on our mistakes so what do you uh, put the first half performance down to was it just that they uh, really came to, to play they did come to play to be fair to Scotland uh, they were a really good outfit but um, they capitalised on our air as well and uh, it's just the lack of uh, discipline in our half which uh, led to the, most of their points and as a player was it quite surreal playing in what was an empty stadium yeah yeah it is uh, well you can't help but uh that, uh, things are going round at the minute but uh, who did come out tonight friends and family it was really nice to see the uh, crowd that did manage to get out there tonight So overall how do you look back on the Six Nations? Overall uh, looking back we showed what we can do as a side and we showed what we shouldn't do as a side but uh, it's just moving forward to go into the next few weeks in camp and uh, moving on to that Junior World Cup in the summer hopefully Okay, enjoy it Cheers, Thanks mate 
Well, hopefully indeed. But of course, everything's up in the air at the moment, worldwide. Wales under-20 centre Bradley Roderick there. One bit of good news from the under-20s camp this season has been a few of the players currently with English clubs agreeing to come back to Wales for next season, including Luke Scully, moving from Worcester to the Blues. He's been enjoying the 20s experience. So we come into training to learn as much as we can. We've got great coaches here, great players. It's basically just about expressing yourself and what we can do and to show everybody what we can do. But the coaches are brilliant as well. They put in a lot of time and effort into us. So it's just good to see that. For yourself, playing over in England, signed to come back to the Blues next year. Just talk through the process between going over there in the first place, coming back. What have you been thinking over the last year or two? Yeah, it was a great experience when I went over there first. Obviously, as an academy player, I was training with the first team every day and in that environment, so it's invaluable really as a youngster to get the advice of likes of John Lance, Duncan Weir, all those players. But coming back, hopefully, I'll have some opportunities. I'll try my best to work hard, so I'm looking forward to it, to be fair. Well, someone like Duncan Weir, obviously part of the Scotland squad, yeah. to have someone like that just to tap into his knowledge base, that, that's pretty invaluable, is it? Uh, it's mad, because... He offers so much time to me as well, and his kicking game, we kick after sessions, everything. If I ever want to sit down with a computer, he'll always be there to help. So to have somebody like that at such a young age, you have to take all his knowledge in, to be fair. So that's great to have. It's invaluable. What age were you when you went across? I was, I want to say 17 or 18. Yeah, one, yeah. Uh, 18. 18. And what was the thought process then? It's basically just to go over there, get as much experience as I could, hopefully push for some first-team games, which... It may be Europe, but I've struggled with that because I'm not English qualified. So that's one of the reasons I'm opting to come back as well. But it's just to get as much knowledge as I could off each player and just try to improve as a player as much as I could. Because there's been a group of you who've taken that decision, who've been spending some of your teenage years over there, who are coming back. So what was the thought process in coming back to the Blues for next season? Hopefully, just if I can push for some more opportunities, and the Blues have something really good going on there at the minute of the Arms Park. The back line is unbelievable, so I think it's a really good option to go to the Blues and get as much experience as I can from those players and see if I can improve again as a player. So that's probably the main reason I've come back. Are you seeing something now that maybe wasn't there two years ago? Yeah, um, I think their attacking style now is second to none. You have Jared Evans as 10. Ben Thomas is the 12s, you've got the centres, you've got Josh Adams on the wing, you've got a really good attack in shape and I think they're a young team as well, young back, so I think in the next couple of years they can really push on, so I think it's really exciting times ahead for the Blues. And of course for you it's such a competitive area, isn't it, just within the under-20s, but also yeah. you mentioned the players at Blues level as well. Does that spur you on or do you see that as a barrier or, or something good that makes you a better player? No, I think it can push me on, to be fair. I think... Having good players ahead of you, competition is always good. It'll push you on. So I don't see it as a barrier. I'm excited other times ahead. And I think I can also learn a lot from those players ahead of me. So I think I'll only improve as a player with that competition there. Have they said to you in terms of next season what you can expect, where you're likely to play, where you get your match minutes, really? I haven't talked too much into that yet. I've just talked about going there in pre-season, trying to do my best, and hopefully opportunities will come. And if they don't, I'll go out and play somewhere else and try to impress the coaches. I think I can improve a lot in that short time. So I'm just focusing on myself, really, and just trying to improve as much as a player, whether it's basic skills, kicking, game management, and just trying to go to pre-season as fit as I can.
You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. It's now time for a special look at the Wales women's game. First, the Sevens programme under former England Sevens captain Ollie Phillips, which is now integrated with the Fifteens as part of the high performance programme. This interview was done before the coronavirus crisis hit. My role is to sort of lead the women's sevens programme as part of our broader performance objectives, if you like, within the WRU at the moment on, on the women's game. I mean, immensely exciting opportunity. I've, I've, if I'm honest, I feel pretty lucky and privileged to, to be a part of it. And the moment I walked through the door, everyone within the, the whole performance department has been nothing but welcoming. So it's been a brilliant experience already. And now the aim and objectives are to to grow women's rugby within Wales. You know, that's the, a successful outcome would be that we take our existing stock, if you like, of competent and, and capable women's players to a whole new level. We get more and more women playing the game and equally we're, as a result of that, incredibly more competitive on every platform, whether that's sevens or fifteens and all the major tournaments that come with that. Is there a natural relationship between sevens and, and fifteens, especially in terms of the timings of yeah. the events? I mean, I, I've always been a huge advocate and supporter of the fact that the two programmes, the two games are not mutually exclusive because uh, fundamentally you play on the same size pitch with the same rules and actually... If anything, seven shines a spotlight on some of the, the core components of your, your sort of skill development. So can you catch and pass successfully and execute it under pressure, under ma- massive f- fatigue? And can you do that on every other facet? So breakdown, tackle, on which if you can't, it gets shown up pretty quickly. So you know, I'm a huge advocate of that, and I think that the t- they complement one another. The aim is to work together as a hybrid programme between the sevens and fifteens with the incredible talent that we've already got and nurture them and develop them so that hopefully that leads to, yeah, OK, success in the end, whether that be Six Nations, Commonwealth Games, World Cup 2021, whatever that might be. But more importantly, that the girls that we've got getting exposure to really good coaching and they're developing as people, as players, and we're growing the game within Wales. That's the primary focus and it'll be success. There are going to be times when sevens is going to be the focus of the women's game in Wales. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it's going to ebb and flow like that as we go through. And, you know, that's why we sort of are getting quite excited about the whole opportunity as to within the women's game in Wales. We've got almost a blank sheet of paper as to how we operate that from a women's rugby perspective. And we can make a lot of the learnings from some of the mistakes, if you like, that, that were made in, in the men's game and, and equally try something different within the women's game. And we're already doing that. There's loads of ideas and other opportunities that we can explore. But I think what's amazing and, and what's a brilliant opportunity for female athletes in Wales is that they have got the opportunity to play in some incredible tournaments. From the Six Nations and a World Cup in 2021, from a 15s perspective, to the largest sporting spectacle in the world of an Olympic Games. Here are some fantastic opportunities. And if we can have Welsh women pulling on those jerseys, whether it be a Great Britain one, Wales Sevens or Wales Fifteens, what a success story that's going to be. Jazz Joyce last time. There are a couple of injuries, people who might have had a chance, but can we expect her to be back in it? Can we expect others to be joining her this time? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, Jazz is an outstanding athlete, hugely committed, incredible professional, and the aim is to work with her between now and October and beyond or whatever to, to make sure that we develop her as a player. But there are some incredible talent. The one thing that Wales is very, very fortunate about is that they've got some brilliant footballers and the difference of that if I can sort of articulate that a bit better is that they can actually play the game they can catch and pass kick run well read the game relatively well whereas sometimes you get lots of really really good athletes but they actually just can't play the game the athletic part is the easier part to develop 
the, of the game. And that's one of the areas that we're focusing on at the moment. Okay, how do we help you from an athletic perspective get even better? England is setting the bar in terms of where they need to get to, in terms of delivery from an SNC and performance perspective. We're going to give them the tools and, and to be able to compete at that level. Then it's up to them as whether or not they want to embrace it or not. With your background in English rugby, 15s and 7s, yeah. perfect person to ask this question. They've poured more resources into the women's game. England, to a certain degree, France are fairly comfortably ahead at the moment, if you look at the scores on the pitch. How easy is it to close that gap and what sort of timescale do you put on that? Uh, I mean, they are, but and it's, it's not easy, of course. You know, These things take time and, and take a lot of commitment, dedication, development. And there's going to be frustration points along the way. But can we get there and can we surpass where they are? Of course, yeah, I mean, 100%. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think we could. And I think it's about working smarter and taking a load of learnings from what's gone before and, and how we can actually evolve the programme and optimise what we've got here with, with the girls. And what I think is incredibly exciting is that you're not working with players that haven't got a clue about what they're doing. You've got a load of players that are incredibly talented. Some of them don't realise the level of that talent at the moment. And it's providing an environment through which they can A, realise their own ability, their own potential, and then B, providing an environment that's really fun and exciting so that, as Chris mentioned, Chris Horseman, our 15s coach, that they want to come back, they want to be a part of this. Because there are going to be moments where you know, they've got to have exposure to top flight rugby. And in Wales at the moment, we can't provide that necessarily from our league structure. So it's another thing that we need to work on and look at develop. How do we build that? How do we structure really successful competitive leagues within Wales so that our Welsh women are getting exposed to that in the interim period that's probably going to have to come in things like the Tyrrells so okay how do we manage that how do we make sure that we still create this oasis this mecca if you like of the WRU and the NCE and the principality that they want to come back to and make that environment infectious and contagious so that it spreads across the whole region across the whole country and that's the aim that's the ambition that's what I'm here for and I'm already in a Welsh jersey so someone must be doing something right and there's also a chance to find out a bit more about one of the Wales women, prop Keris Hale, who was an important cog in the team throughout the Six Nations. She spoke to Liz Jones. So, Keris, how are things in terms of the squad? You're now kind of nailing down starting position and things have moved on. Yeah, it's been really exciting, I think, this campaign. Obviously, I've, with Amy Evans retiring, I've had an opportunity to have a bit more game time and I've really been trying to establish myself as a nailed-on starting player and I think my game's only progressed because of that been working really hard on my scrummaging in order to be that cornerstone of the scrum and hopefully then that's um, benefiting the team The coaches are they being key to that like obviously Chris has got a lot of experience there as prop yeah, we've been doing some really interesting thing in the scrum on how we're going to attack different scrums, which has been really good for me to learn and develop different aspects of my game. Not only that, is he focuses quite heavily on our basics, so we've been doing like a lot of repetition on our basic profiling, and I think that's really helped me going into the games. I've learned loads off G as well in terms of the line-out and just how my role can affect the overall outcome, so I think it's been a really positive campaign so far. There's been a big emphasis on fitness as well, and... Yeah, it's been a lot of hard work in, in training, but hopefully that'll mean eventually we'll be playing easy. And I think we're all working hard and really buying into that. And I think that's really helped our mentality as a team as well. So hopefully when we're under the cosh, we've got a bit more about us because we've been to those tough places during training. 
off the field as well you changed jobs probably like less traveling has, has that helped do you think yeah I've definitely seen an improvement in my work rugby life balance from changing jobs so I don't have to travel so far uh, it's been nice for me to work locally as well because I think I get to see it's a bit more fuss about Wales rugby in work and stuff and I feel like I'm having better impact on the pupils because they're seeing me as a somebody who represents the country really helps having that status as such with the pupils because they've got this perception that I'm a bit hard which isn't necessarily the case but at least I've got that <laughs> and what's the name of the school I work for ACT schools and I work for their Caffili Centre and um, so the pupils are from different backgrounds and have struggled in a mainstream school and we're just providing them with a opportunity to do what they can under better circumstances we've got smaller classes and stuff and that just helps us build on our relationships with the pupils and then hopefully then they'll achieve so they're seeing you as a role model on the field as well yeah and I think when I first started there they were quiet about it but now they come in and they say well we see you on the telly on the weekend and stuff like that and I think it's really helped with my relationship with them but as well seeing a couple of them get into rugby and and hopefully they can just understand that if they put their mind to anything they can achieve which is good news so next week we'll go into much more detail with much more information about all the latest developments in Welsh rugby until then the Welsh Rugby Union podcast be careful and stay safe